This is Aspire, Arc Street Public Radio, a content-driven platform broadcasting interviews from our Innovate, Innovate Media, Innovate CSR, and Innovate Under 30 podcast series. Aspire gives public voice to socially conscious and forward-thinking leaders within the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, academia, journalism, and social entrepreneurship. My name is Robert Rim, Managing Editor for Arch Street Press. I'll be your host today. Today, our guest is Monisha Kapila, founder and CEO of ProInspire, which partners with nonprofit, public, and social enterprise groups to develop leaders at all levels for organizations addressing the world's greatest challenges at the local, national, and international levels. Monisha received her Certificate in Leadership Coaching from Georgetown University, a BBA with distinction from the University of Michigan, and an MBA from Harvard Business School, where she received the Dean's Award. Prior to founding ProInspire, Manisha worked with a number of leading nonprofit organizations, including CARE, the Initiative for a Competitive Inner City, and the Clinton Foundation, and was also a senior business manager for Capital One Financial. She serves as a board member for Achieve Mission, a nonprofit human capital advisory organization, as well as the Nonprofit Roundtable of Greater Washington. Manisha is an advisor to Independent Sectors NGEN program and the Talent Philanthropy Project. She's been recognized as an HBS Leadership Fellow, American Express NGEN Fellow, and one of the National Urban Fellows, America's Leaders of Change. She was previously a Harvard Business School Leadership Fellow with Oxion International, a global pioneer in the commercial approach to microfinance. Manisha has been published in the Stanford Social Innovation Review, the Huffington Post, and Next Billion, among others. Manisha, good to have you with us today. Thank you, Robert. Nice to be here. You're actively involved with a number of nonprofit organizations. Did you always know that you wanted to be a part of this sector, or perhaps was it something that you discovered unexpectedly? It's something I discovered over time. From a very young age, my parents really instilled in me the importance of giving back to the community. They were immigrants from India, and so I was involved with volunteering uh, from as early as I can remember and led a number of volunteer programs in high school and college. But actually working in the sector was only something that came to me after I had started my career um, after college. And did you have any experiences growing up that inspired your commitment to others? I think my parents were really big influences. So as immigrants, they really understood the great opportunities that we had uh, being raised in this country with access to opportunity and always made it a priority to give back to others. I also went back to India growing up and saw the tremendous amount of poverty there and really was aware of the access I had and the desire to give more uh, to other people. And what made it so that you could, in fact, have that access as opposed to so many people in India who really don't or are not able to take the steps that you did? I think um, it was really my parents. Um, they had the opportunity to come to the United States in the 1960s. My dad was an engineer, and that was a time when the United States was really looking to bring in technical talent from other places. So this really was their opportunity to create a new life and um, give us access to things that wouldn't have been possible. Um, and I think that, like many immigrants who come to the United States, you really um, have that opportunity along with the responsibility for the communities and the people um, who you know um, are able to benefit from that. And how did your education contribute to your work with several leading nonprofits? 
Well, I did my undergraduate at the University of Michigan and in college was very active with a number of community service organizations. I was a member of Project Serve, which is a student-led organization that drives volunteer programs across the campus. So as part of that, I was one of the uh, students who helped launch the first Gandhi Day of Service at the University of Michigan. Uh, I also helped launch uh, the first website to connect students with volunteer opportunities. That was back in the late 90s when it was still very revolutionary to have that web technology. Uh, and so I think those activities both um, helped me realize my desire to do this in a bigger way, um, as well as gave me a lot of leadership skills. So at a young age, really thinking about how can we create more ways for people to give back, to connect with their communities. So given that, uh, did you go right into the for-profit sector when you graduated? I did. I did my undergraduate in business, and I think many people struggle with this, really thinking about how do you have a career uh, where you can support yourself, where you can pay for student loans, um, but also having these desires for social impact. And so I decided to go into the for-profit sector and had in the back of my mind that at some point I would make a transition, but wasn't sure when that would be. So I went into consulting after college at Arthur Anderson and had a tremendous experience, gained so much exposure to different companies, different problems, ways of doing business, and also learned a lot around uh, how to work uh, with very different people as well as built some really strong skills. So that was the foundation for me. Uh, and then a few years after that, my mom had been very sick. She passed away from breast cancer. And that was really a wake-up call for me that I realized, what am I waiting for to do something meaningful? And why not go and do it now? And so that's what actually uh, led me to leave consulting I ended up going to India and uh, found an opportunity to work with CARE on a program supporting micro-entrepreneurs. And what differences did you find uh, between your time with for-profit and, and the nonprofit sector? Well, I have had the opportunity to work weave back and forth those sectors throughout the course of my career, and I've seen um, some differences, some similarities. I think some of the differences I've seen, I've tended to work in large for-profits, so larger companies, and so with that comes structure. And I also know that large nonprofits have some of this, but I think uh, the structure that comes from being in large places, um, everything from how you deal with recruiting talent and helping people think about their goals and what they're trying to achieve, as well as the training and support you get in large organizations is pretty amazing. Um, but one of the things that I found, having worked at a number of mid-sized nonprofits, was the opportunity for leadership was tremendous. I think at many nonprofits, they're resource constrained, and if you have interest and initiative and desire, you can really run with that. So I remember at Axion, I went there after business school and had a number of classmates who had gone from business school into large companies. And I realized that I was doing things that many of my classmates weren't because I was at a smaller nonprofit where I had the opportunity to, to think of something and really try to push it forward and run with it and wasn't tied down by some of the structures. So I think some of the um, benefits that come from large companies are also some of the benefits of small to medium-sized nonprofits as far as the opportunities they present for people to really drive change. Which sounded like you had the ideal foundation then, didn't it? 
Well, I, I think it was very helpful. Nothing is ideal for launching an organization. Um, I, I do remember in business school, I actually did not take any entrepreneurship classes, which I really regret now. Um, but I think that uh, all of that experience definitely shaped the way that I think and approach the work I do now. And the difficulties and the struggles that you had, uh, both in the for-profit and when you got into the nonprofit sector, they directly set up as a benefit to you, didn't they, ultimately? They did. When I first started thinking about launching ProInspire, it was really informed by those experiences. I had uh, been in these large companies where so much investment was made into people, whether it was entire teams dedicated to recruiting the best college graduates, to uh, training departments and divisions and requirements on how much training you should be getting every quarter. Um, so seeing that investment in people was, I think, a really big difference for me from nonprofits, where there is an investment in people because people are the ones who drive the work of nonprofits, but there really isn't that same infrastructure or support. And how did you come to be involved with Achieve Mission, and, and what sort of work do they do? Achieve Mission is a nonprofit that does human capital consulting, and I got involved with them really as a peer organization. Um, ProInspire works with a number of other nonprofits that are focused on talent in the nonprofit sector, and so we've been working together, and uh, earlier this year, the CEO and founder asked me to join the board, and it was a great opportunity for me to think about how to support another nonprofit in a similar space but with a different focus um, to achieve its goals. And you're being asked to be on the board. Did that uh, have something to do with your experience in the for-profit sector? I think it had more to do with my work at ProInspire. So um, there are a number of board members at Achieve Mission who are, come from the for-profit sector. But I think the work that ProInspire is doing around emerging leaders in the nonprofit sector um, was something that really Achieve Mission was hoping to bring more of that perspective onto the board. And what about the nonprofit roundtable of Greater Washington? Yes, so we've been members of the Nonprofit Roundtable of Greater Washington for a number of years um, and have been involved with various programs that they run. And so it was an opportunity, the organization's been going through a major transition. And so it was really an opportunity for me to help support that transition. I also work with a number of leaders. Uh, the board members of the roundtable are all CEOs of nonprofits in the greater Washington area. Many of them are ProInspire partners. So it was also a great way for me to uh, get to work with them in a more direct way. And would it be fair to say that the nonprofit sector is thriving not only in Washington but around the country? Well, I think that the nonprofit sector is doing really important work. Now, the how you define thriving, I think, is a, a big question. The sustainability of many nonprofits is always a challenge. And we think a lot about um, how do we support organizations to have the right systems in place so they can be successful. And we think about that for ourselves as a nonprofit. Um, and I think there's a lot of change that's going to be coming with sort of the blurring of sectors. Uh, we see a number of for-profits that are socially oriented and nonprofits that are thinking about their business models, um, as well as philanthropy really taking seriously its role around how do they holistically support organizations. So instead of taking a program-by-program program approach, but really thinking about how do they build strong nonprofits that can achieve social results. Um, I think those changes are, were just the beginning of that, and that will really have a big impact on nonprofits thriving. And what is your commitment as an advisor to Independent Sectors Engine program and the talent philanthropy entail? 
Yes. So those are both organizations that are really thinking a lot about how do we grow the best talent in the nonprofit sector to really drive these organizations forward. And so part of my goal with Pro Inspire is to make sure that we're collaborating with other organizations. And Talent Philanthropy Project and Independent Sector are two that we try to work really closely with. Independent Sector is a membership organization of the largest foundations and nonprofits in the country. And it really serves as a voice for the sector um, on legislative issues, on Capitol Hill, and other areas. And the NGEM program is a program that they have specifically around how are they supporting the next generation of leaders? Um, how are they bringing in people who are under 40 uh, into the work and into leadership roles? And I had the opportunity to participate in their NGEM Fellows program a few years ago, which was a tremendous learning experience for me. And as an advisor, I really support them around thinking about the different activities they're doing to bring in um, NGEM employees of organizations that are their members. The other, the other organization you asked about, Talent Philanthropy Project, is a relatively young organization. Um, it's only been around for uh, a year and a half. And um, I'm part of their advisory council thinking about you know, how are they going to achieve their impact, which is around getting philanthropy to invest more in people. Uh, because that really is sort of the change that I think is needed to actually get organizations to be strong enough to drive results. And talk about that investing in, in people aspect, specifically for the nonprofit sector. Yes, so the reason I started ProInspire was I felt like there was a gap between the talent needs of organizations and the ability for people to come into the sector or to grow into the sector to address those needs. Um, and so that really is where there's a huge opportunity. If you look at um, the most important innovations and changes in the world, they're all driven by people. And right now, we don't have a great infrastructure to make sure we're bringing in the best people and supporting the best people to take on leadership to drive organizations that are addressing these important issues. And are people then generally not well prepared to join the nonprofit sector? So I think it varies. I think that um, people are as prepared as they are for any uh, sector. Uh, I think that one of the big differences is that nonprofits don't actually have infrastructure to really uh, bring in people. So many nonprofits don't have an HR person. Um, so they can't really think about recruiting and onboarding and training and succession planning, all of these things that are really critical for any strong organization. Um, so if you don't have that kind of infrastructure, uh, it really is uh, a challenge for organizations to be able to leverage their people in the best way possible. This Innovate series features dialogue with some of the most influential advocates for changing our world. From the CEOs and founders of major nonprofits to the directors of cultural and academic institutions, Innovate demonstrates the vital role of empathy as an agent for that change. Innovate and Aspire are produced in partnership with Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal, and presented by Arch Street Press and the Public Radio Exchange.
We now return to our Innovate interview with Managing Editor Robert Rim and Monisha Kapila, founder and CEO of ProInspire. And were there insecurities that you felt in starting your own nonprofit? Oh, absolutely. I think starting your own nonprofit is a crazy thing to do. And I had a few friends who had done that who advised me as I was thinking about this. Um, about launching Pro Inspire. So I knew a little bit of what I was getting into, but I really, I think, still continue to learn all the time. Uh, I think some of the things that, <clears throat> where I felt like the most challenging one was around fundraising. So a big part of running a nonprofit is being able to fundraise and get donors on board with your mission. Uh, I didn't have a lot of experience with fundraising. I So that was, I think, one of the areas that has been an insecurity and I continue to learn a lot around. Um, I think another piece is you really, you often start an organization because you see a need um, and you're very passionate about it. And I think that's what it was for me with Pro Inspire. But when you actually look at how are you going to drive the change that is needed, you have to take a more big picture lens and look at what's the system that you're in? What are the other factors that are influencing it? And sometimes that means that as the leader, your time can't be spent on the program that you really um, care so much about, but actually has to be spent in other ways to actually look at the systemic changes that are needed. And how did you specifically prepare beforehand to start Pro Inspire? What, did, what were the steps that you took? Yes. So I, as I said before, I was never thinking I was going to be an entrepreneur. And really what led me to start Pro Inspire, um, I've had all these experiences, having worked in for-profits and non-profits, and one of the things that I thought was really fascinating was the fact that it was fairly hard to come into the nonprofit sector. After I had done consulting with Arthur Anderson, I started reaching out to nonprofits and no one would respond to me. And those that did really didn't know what to do with my skill set. So it was actually a sort of set of luck and good circumstances where I was able to find the opportunity with care in India. Um, but I felt like there was just this missing uh, path to actually bring people into the sector. Uh, the second piece was around the support with once you were in an organization. And I, I mentioned before, you know, having come from some of these big places where so much is put into growing people, um, I had felt with the nonprofits I'd worked for that there really wasn't that investment. And some of it was just that there wasn't the ability because of how they were funded. Um, so those were some of the foundations of why I started Pro Inspire. And I was actually at a conference where Tom Tierney, who's one of the founders of the Bridge Fan Group, was talking about the nonprofit leadership deficit. And that was a big report that Bridge Fan put out in 2007, really analyzing the growth of the nonprofit sector and the need for leaders to be able to drive organizations. And his call to action were we need to expand talent pipelines, we need to develop people in the sector, and we need more intermediaries to support nonprofits. If you look at the for-profit space, you have a whole system of headhunters and trainers and consultants who are really all about supporting those organizations, and we're missing that in the nonprofit sector. And I was sitting in the audience just struck by the fact that I had personally seen this for over a decade, and no one had done anything about it. And maybe I should do something about it. So that's what first got me to start thinking about Pro Inspire. I went and uh, started talking to a lot of people. I actually did over 120 interviews over the course of six months to really understand what was the issue, what was my hypothesis, was that true, what would be ways to address it, and that really helped me think about the business model for Pro Inspire. 
And with your education and skill set, it would seem that you would be welcome in pretty much any nonprofit. That wasn't your experience? Well, I think early in my career, um, after having come out of consulting, I found that a lot of nonprofits didn't know what to do with business skill sets. Um, and so there was either this, you come in entry level um, or you come in senior level. And so there were a lot of people coming from the private sector into senior level roles, but they didn't really have any idea what to do with people kind of early to mid career. Wouldn't a business skill set jump out as something that would be welcome pretty much at any nonprofit? You would think so, right? Yeah, you know, I think we deal with this because one of ProInspire's programs is a program that's recruiting and placing young business people. And I think that there are a couple of things. One, you know, nonprofits, oftentimes what draws people to them is passion for the mission. And so sometimes, you know, it's really important to be able to show that passion for the mission. And having worked in a different sector may not show that passion for the mission as well as it will for other candidates. The other piece is I think that most nonprofits, as I mentioned, don't have the ability to really support people onboarding them and training them. They really want someone to hit the ground running on day one. And so they oftentimes, when they're looking for candidates, are looking for people who've done the same job in a similar organization. And they don't really um, know what to do with someone. Like You may have had great experience doing marketing at Google, but doing marketing at a nonprofit is very different. And so they may feel like, oh, this is too much of a challenge. And ProInspire itself uh, partners with a variety of organizations to address really some of the most pressing social issues today. So how has your experience been uh, working collaboratively with a wide range of people and groups as well? It's really been amazing. I think that um, nonprofits are so collaborative. The amount of knowledge sharing that goes on is unbelievable. When I started ProInspire, I connected with some of the leaders of organizations that were running fellowships or programs focused on talent. And I had such amazing support from these organizations, whether it was sharing their tools and business plans and any information that would help me get off the ground. Um, and I see that with ProInspire, uh, we work with about 70 organizations across Washington, D.C. and the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, they are really very eager to share what they're learning, to um, look for new ways to do work to be more effective. We actually just published a report um, about millennials in the nonprofit sector, and we really crowdsourced the report. We had about 30 ProInspire alumni and partners who contributed and shared examples from their own organizations of how they were approaching engaging millennials. And I think that's an example of how the organizations are very collaborative. And it sounds like you adapt your approach uh, differently for different partners. Would that be fair to say? Yes, I think, you know, we have a few different programs. And so what we found is that um, depending on different organizations, the stage that they are or the needs they have, um, they will find kind of more value from different ProInspire programs. And how do you find the organizations uh, with whom you work? A lot of it is word of mouth. So now that we have almost 500 alumni from our programs, um, we have a number of people who are just constantly sharing about ProInspire and, and bringing new partners into the fold. Uh, we also do some active seeking out of partners through different networks. So for example, um, last year I spoke on a webinar for the Aspen Network of Development Entrepreneurs, um, or I've um, spoken at different conferences to be able to make sure that there's awareness about our work in different areas.
And what social causes does Pro Inspire seek to address? And how do you do that? Yeah, so we're focused on what we think are the most important issues that tie to poverty. Um, and the biggest areas that we look at are education, health and human services, um, jobs and the economy, and housing. And so the organizations we work with tend to fall into one of those categories. Um, they range from locally focused organizations in the cities where we work, nationally focused organizations, and internationally focused organizations. And all of that obviously requires uh, devoted and directed leadership. So how do you train and develop leaders? Well, we look at a few different pieces. So for bringing new leaders into the sector, one we focus on how do we find the best talent? And so we put a lot of effort into recruiting, screening, and selecting really great emerging leaders. And these are people fairly young in their careers um, where they have some strong skills, but also a huge passion for giving back. And some of the things that we think are really important around what you need to be successful um, are humility, adaptability, resilience, being able to navigate ambiguous situations. So those are the things that we look for. And then in the fellowship program, we're really training them on how are they building the skills that they need to be successful. Uh, those range from managing up, collaboration, um, as well as uh, managing their careers to be able to navigate the sector. We have another program which is focused on developing managers at nonprofits. And we're really looking at how do we help people understand how to manage themselves. So thinking about emotional intelligence and having a clear vision, uh, how they're managing individuals, so delegation, coaching, and feedback, and how are they managing in organizations, uh, both managing up as well as managing across. Uh, and those are some of the key skills that we focus on. And your leadership workshops uh, directly address these things, don't they? Yes. Yeah. And what does the Pro Inspire Fellowship involve? So this is the program I mentioned where we're recruiting young business professionals who want to use their skills for social impact. So we recruit them and place them at an organization for one year full time. And they're typically coming into finance, marketing, strategy, um, operations, or analytical roles. And they are working in a full-time role as well as participating in the leadership development of our program, which includes the monthly trainings, working with an alumni coach, um, as well as other support around their career goals. And how is ProInspire working to develop a sustainable business model? which obviously well, you need just like any other organization. Yes, absolutely. So we have really um, three revenue streams. One is earned income, and it's actually our largest revenue stream. So we charge fees for all of our programs. So actually, the organizations who recruit or develop leaders through our programs are the customers who are paying for our work. Um, the second piece is around foundation support. So we do get support from a few foundations that are really looking at how are they developing the next generation of leaders. And the third area is individual giving. And um, we are really trying to grow that space, uh, particularly as we have alumni, um, trying to make sure that we continue to retain and engage those alumni. Are you directly tied to the direction and the sustainability of the economy itself? Do you, do you find a, a straight correlation, basically? Well, you know, we are six years old, and so this is the first time we're really seeing um, the, the nonprofit sector in a strong economy, and so I think we'll be learning a lot. What we're finding is that there's definitely much more demand for our programs. Uh, I think organizations are starting to realize that they have to prioritize investing in talent. 
um, you know, there's a saying that the recession is not a retention tool, and I definitely, you know, seeing organizations that maybe um, weren't able to invest that much during the lean times and now feel like they really should. So that we see is very correlated, that organizations' ability to invest in talent is going up um, because they do have a little bit more resources. Um, what I think is going to be interesting for us, particularly with the ProInspire Fellowship, that's focused on recruiting people into the sector who weren't previously working for nonprofits. And I think that is going to be more challenging because there are a lot more opportunities out there and a lot more interesting opportunities. Uh, this year we saw some people who were interested in being ProInspire Fellows um, take jobs at startups or uh, social enterprises where they felt like they could still have a social impact, uh, but maybe in a different way. And do you directly see the struggle uh, with young people in deciding whether, in fact, to go into the nonprofit sector or the for-profit, even though they may very well want to go into nonprofits because of the social change they'd like to see happen? Um, there's uncertainty. They're scared. Uh, they don't know where the rent's going to come from. How do you basically address that? Yes, I mean, this is a huge priority for us and actually a big part of why we've been thinking a lot about thought leadership and really helping leaders and donors understand the importance of investing in talent. Um, not only is it important around um, young people, but I think there's a lot of um, implicit bias that ha takes place in our sector. So if you think about historically, nonprofits were really treated as charities and it was um, charity work that people of privilege did as volunteers. And now we're moving into a space where it's really professionalized and these organizations have very clear goals and missions that they're trying to achieve, um, but they aren't actually paying in a very competitive way. And so then there's this bias of who's able to do this work, and it typically is people who are coming from some type of privileged backgrounds where they can afford to do it. And so those are things that we're thinking a lot about. If, if we want nonprofits to have the best talent to drive results, if we want them to have diverse leadership, um, they really need to be thinking a lot more about um, how do they uh, address those issues. And as a nonprofit itself, how does Pro Inspire, say, competitively hire people? Yes. So I think one of the advantages that we have is we have an amazing alumni pool. So we're really able to tap into that um, because we get to know people through the course of our programs. And so we, for example, last year in our um, selection process of ProInspire Fellows, we had uh, five interviewers who were all ProInspire alumni who we hired to serve as interviewers for that program. So we are able to kind of tap into the fact that we have an existing network of people who've already been identified as really talented and high potential. Um, but we think a lot about kind of our own systems. We have a small team of five people, and so we're thinking about how are we making sure that we're setting goals and each person has their own um, ability to tie their results to the organization's mission. And what does the future hold for ProInspire? What would you ideally like to see happen? Well, right now we're actually going through a big strategy process, trying to define a bold goal for the organization. And we're using the bold goal framework because we realize that we can only have so much impact directly through our programs, but if we really want to shift how the sector thinks about talent, um, then we need to go beyond what we're currently doing. And so um, I'm very excited about that. I think that it's going to push us to new levels of not just thinking about how do we reach as many people through trainings and coaching and programs, but also how do we influence organizations? How do we influence funders and 
um, other organizations that have um, that have resources to really change the way they look at talent in the sector. And I'm assuming that this may well involve uh, other partnerships and collaborations within the nonprofit sector to help everyone grow. Would that be fair to say? Yes, absolutely. One of the things that we'll be kicking off in 2016 is actually a partnership with the Kresge Foundation to support um, them in developing leaders at their grantees. And I think this is just one example of where we see the need in the sector, which is philanthropy, really stepping up to invest more in developing people. Well, we're surely looking forward to seeing what's in the uh, in the future for Pearl Inspire. Manisha, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Robert. The best way to reach Manisha and to support Pearl Inspire is through proinspire.org. Click on the webpage links above this podcast for further details. Thank you for joining us today. Our library of interviews and a range of further resources may be found at archstreetpress.org or prx.org.